Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. This week's special guest, Jamie Jasta of Hatebreed. And now, here is your host, Rob Hosfani. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the Squared Circle Pit. It's been so much fun doing the show, hearing all of your feedback. I would love it if you're listening to the show. Just send me a note. Tweet me. Uh, my main Twitter is at Rob Injection. Uh, the Squared Circle Pit Twitter is just at Squared Circle Pit with no E in circle. Or, of course, you could follow our Facebook, facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit, spelled the full way, and just let us know what you think of the show. This week, I have an awesome guest. I have Jamie Josta of Hatebreed. And uh, Jamie is always so interesting to talk about because he has such a great mind for business. And honestly, we didn't really talk about wrestling as much as I'd want to because we kept kind of comparing the wrestling business to metal and how metal could be more like wrestling. And it was just a really, really fascinating conversation that I really enjoyed having with Jamie. I want to quickly preface this by saying you might notice the audio is a little more wonky. We had some technical difficulties, or I had some technical difficulties doing this, so I apologize for that. Uh, We'll be back to our full high-quality standards with our next interview. But for now, enjoy Jamie Josta from Hatebreed talking pro wrestling, metal, and much more on the Squared Circle Pit. Now entering the Squared Circle Pit, we have Jamie Josta of Hatebreed. Jamie, thank you for taking some time. To talk to us here. My pleasure. Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you too. The Concrete Confessional. It's out Friday, May thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. Pretty, pretty metal release date. I feel it is. And Destruction has a new album coming out that day as well. So you know, German thrash, a little American hardcore, and then Discharge has a record that day, and Devil Driver. So you got every you got every genre and subgenre on one. And what a small guy. You're promoting uh, competing releases. <laughs> yeah, you know, I say on my podcast all the time, high tide raises all ships. So you'll see everybody's going to be posting about each other's releases and trying to get everybody to get some metal on the chart that week. Right on. Well, that's basically all the metal I want to talk about because this is a wrestling-focused podcast. Not going to ask you about the writing or anything. I just want to talk pro wrestling. hope that's cool. Yeah, no, that's fine. All right. Well, first question, who is your favorite pro wrestling? All right. I was talking about this with Zeus. Um, Not the wrestler Zeus, the no, producer Zeus. No, the, the, the producer Zeus. And, you know, he, uh, he was like uh, saying, oh, we got to go down tonight and see, because he wanted to take a night off the studio to go see Scott Steiner wrestle at, yes. uh, at uh, it's, it was in like Poughkeepsie or something. I don't know right. when, it was back in December. But I guess he was, Twitter, he was tweeting like that he got in an accident or hit a deer. And, you know, there was, everybody, I guess, had canceled out their card or whatever. So then we went down this rabbit hole of Scott Steiner videos on YouTube for, and we wasted. And meanwhile, we're paying for the studio. (laughs) We're supposed to be finishing the album. And uh, so he's got to be up there now after watching all that stuff. It's just. Did you see that one promo where he's like talking about math? Like you have like a 33 and a third chance. No, but I can only imagine. No. Well, he was like, hey, you know, I'm a 100% athlete, and you, Samoa Joe, you only have a 33% chance, but I'm 75% the man, so you have, like, he just had, like, all these weird numbers. And it was just like, oh, he's amazing. He's incredible. I, I think he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. I agree. Yeah. He's kind of, like, underrated. Yeah. Maybe because he's still doing the, 
I guess, smaller promotional circuit. And so until you're like truly retired or until you get that shot back up to TNA or WWE, like it's almost like you don't get the cred. I don't know. I don't yeah. agree with that. I mean, I think if I had to really think about like my favorites as a kid, I could go with the politically incorrect answers like Jimmy Superfly Snuka, who's now at, like, I guess, disgraced, right? Or, or potential murderer. Right. <laughs> Like, but he yeah. was one of my favorites. I always liked Junkyard Dog. I always liked Big John Stud. I actually physically fought my neighbor over the the big, uh, like I think it was like the twelve inch rubber Big John Stud doll, nice. and then he threw it on the roof of my garage, and it stayed up there for like two or three seasons, like summer into next <laughs> spring, and then finally we got a ladder and got up there, and it still held up. Like the paint was still on it, um, but. For later years, I, I mean, I like Mick Foley. I like Chris Jericho. Uh, I've had both on my podcast, and they're great. So I don't know. Who's your favorite? Uh, well, it's hard. Uh, hard to, like, it's really hard. Like, when I was a kid, obviously, I was a big Hulk Hogan fan. Now I feel like, you know, I'm not really a fan of Hulk Hogan, yeah. especially after all that stuff that came out. But Ric Flair is up there. When I was, like, a teenager, Shawn Michaels was my guy. See, I know. Yeah, that was after me. Shawn Michaels was after me. But now I've watched some of his stuff on YouTube, and I'm like, that, I could see that. I was big Ultimate Warrior, like, all the way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we played a show, uh, Josta and Jericho. We, we made, like, these posters, like, Josta versus Jericho. It was Fozzie and Josta together in Poughkeepsie. And um, I had come out to the theme. We got The guys learned the, the Ultimate Warrior theme. Oh, come nice. out with my Ultimate Warrior shirt. Crowd goes crazy. And, uh, you know, after the show, talking to fans outside, you know, you see the shirts, obviously, at a Fozzie show. You see yeah. a lot of the wrestler shirts. But, you know, people were really um, hyped on dudes that I would never, that I never really got into, the Hardy Brothers. and, and um, So there was a point where you got out of wrestling. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, for sure. So what was the turning point for you? When did you kind of? Well, first off, let's talk about how did you get into wrestling? Let's start with that. Well, New Haven Coliseum was right down the road from my house. And so... They, WWF would come there and yeah. uh, we would go as kids and then we would watch um, Saturday night. What was it? Main event? Yes, main event. So I remember the first time we were allowed to stay up for that. It was my mother um, had gone away for something. My mother was like, no way you're not watching that stuff. Like she could watch what she wanted to watch. Like we had to leave like when she wanted to watch Dallas or whatever. Yeah, but then we couldn't watch Saturday night main event. So we were allowed to watch it and then that's when I started, you know, getting like the what magazines. Do you remember the person you saw? I don't, I don't. It was, I remember it was still when we had a black and white TV though. Oh, wow. I mean, it was probably, yeah, it was then. And then, you know, soon after that, my father got a better job as a painter and then he, we got a color TV and then we got cable and. So did your dad get you into it or like, like friends? Um, I think my cousin, John, I, I, we used to go there for Christmas Eve and he was into it and he liked metal and stuff too. He liked right. all sorts of different. He's, he had Iron Maiden posters. Yeah, I feel like there's a definite connection between uh, metal and pro wrestling. I, I think there's a lot of oh, crossover. For sure. I, I was saying, like, you know, for the setup of this record, like, I want to do all the wrestling podcasts. I want to do – I would love to get some music placed, whether it's in TNA or, or WWE, but it's so hard. It's like as those – especially as WWE has become more mainstream – uh, they have to have the broadest reach musically. So you're going to see them working with more hip-hop and country artists. But it would be great. I mean, I, I, I went and um, sort of auditioned and, and uh, did some vocals for a song, which I think Seamus ended up using with another singer on it. And I, I made it, like, very rock-sounding. And 
I thought it was great. You know, I'm like, this is going to get used. This is going to be a huge opportunity for the next Josta record because I'll get some exposure. And then they said, you know, why didn't you like hate breed it up? And I was like, well, I thought you wanted it to be more like, you know, <laughs> clean singing vocals and yeah. stuff. But um, Jim Johnston, who does all the WWE music, is totally cool. He gave me a tour. I went in there. I saw the studio. It was really, really awesome. And he's, oh, wow. he's done some legendary. He's a le- he, yeah. I feel he's underrated he is, as he, a composer. He totally is. Like, the song, it's called Just Another War. Like, I was really impressed with the arrangement, the way the riffs flowed from one hook to the next, the lyrics, the cadence of it. I mean, he is a really good songwriter. Yeah, and what's interesting to me, too, is I've, I've listened to interviews with him, and, like, he's written, I feel, like, such a variety of music from, you know, rock, hip-hop, even, like, some heavier songs. And he even, like, he said, like, oh, I listen to everything, but I don't really like metal. So I think it's just really funny that he writes these aggressive song, but like death metal specifically. He said what turns him off is like the, the guttural vocal yeah. style. Uh, so it's just funny to me that like he writes this aggressive music but isn't necessarily a fan of it. But that's really interesting. So like did you approach them like, hey, I want to write music for one of your wrestlers or oh, how, yeah. did that, how did that come about? Yeah, squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, I, I always say to all these up-and-coming bands, like sometimes you just got to be persistent. I mean, you might be a little annoying, but I mean, I was... Even back when they were doing all those soundtracks, I was always hitting up, what's his name, Neil, who used to run like the, the WWE records. And, you know, originally when I wrote Destroy Everything, I thought, let's do this extended um, section with the bass line looped and let's try to get John Cena to rap on it or let's try to get a, a wrestler. I even said to CM Punk, like, let's do a CM Punk album with, where I'll write all the fast punk hardcore music and you just sing on it. I mean, I've always tried to collaborate. It's just a matter of, getting somebody to listen and actually do right. it. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's the publishing issue and then there's the, you know, the, you can have artists like Killswitch performs the song, but they didn't write the song. Right. Um, I actually talked to Mike. He was actually my last guest, Mike D of Killswitch. Oh, cool. And he said that, yeah, they did present a fully written song for Killswitch and they kind of hated it and like had to rework a lot of parts of it. So they did get a little input, but it's, Definitely guided by Jim Johnson. So you went in, is it in Connecticut, the studio? Yeah, yeah, Stanford. And then so they just presented you with like lyrics and they let you listen to the song. Is that kind of how it went down? Yeah, and then I went back to my studio in Milford and I and had the guys play on it from Josta and I did the vocals. And yeah, I probably should have just made it heavier and in the face and done like the screaming vocals. But I really thought that that's what they, you know, were kind, kind of trying to avoid. But, you know, who knows? I'll do it again. I'm always there. They know, they know how to get a hold of me. And, right. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to do. And there's some guys coming up like this on the NXT roster and stuff too that I was like, it would be great if we did something like heavy but with vocals on it that relate to the wrestler themselves. Right. Because that one guy, I've, I think I tweeted about that. Uh, his, it kind of sounds like Fear Factory. Uh, shoot, what's his name now? Is it Baron Corbin? Maybe it's Baron. Yeah, he's cool. Um, Shoot, you know what? I don't think it's Baron. It's not Seth Rollins. Maybe it's Seth Rollins. Oh, yeah. Well, he's on the main roster. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, he has, like, that metal, like, chugging... I could see it It's kind of like a Dino-style riff. Yeah. Yeah, that... Fear Factory... They should get Fear Factory. I guess... I think Fear Factory did a theme or something a while ago, but uh, that's pretty funny. And actually, uh, Hatebreed does have some influence in the underground scene because Ring of Honor used one of your titles for, like, one of their big shows, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, oh, uh, before Dishonor, from Satisfaction? Yeah. Okay. 
Well, I had I just had Frankie Kazarian on my podcast. Oh, that guy. Yeah, and um, I was saying, yeah, we should do like a, together like an event. I don't know if I said this on the podcast or if it was off air, but I was like, we should do something where we team up, where there's a stage and some bands play, and and yeah, get with their music people and maybe do some themes, bring back the compilation. Yeah, you know, bring back the the. Um, the specials like where you could see a pay-per-view of a bunch of matches and a band would play. Right, yeah, that would be... I mean, why not? There's definitely metal fans who are wrestling fans, and I'm sure you could find enough Hatebreed fans to enjoy a pro wrestling show or vice versa, enough wrestling fans to enjoy it. Oh, for sure. I mean, there, I see ECW shirts and every you know wrestler shirt there is at all of our shows. So yeah. it, it's still there. It just needs to be... It's it like... It, it kind of went through this time where it was like a dirty word. It was like a, it yeah. was like a, oh, it's fake. Well, it was a fucking movie is fake. Like everybody's putting like Rocky quotes and shit on their Instagram. It's like motherfucker, that's fake. Yeah. That's the same shit. <laughs> like what do you like? Rocky is essentially a wrestler. Like it's the same. Yes. It's just like there's no real. The difference is it's a, it's in a movie as opposed to a weekly show. Right. You like you it's like a fictional character. Yeah. There's no Rocky. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel the same way, too. And, like, for a while, I, I would never really talk about how I'm a wrestling fan. And I feel like just recently, like, in the last five years, sort of with their push into social media and to be, like, more omnipresent, uh, I feel like uh, it, the, the stigma is kind of, like, fading away a lot more to the point where a lot of people are coming out being like, oh, yeah, I'm a wrestling fan. Like, who cares? Like, what's the big deal? Whereas, like, in the, in the late, not the late 90s, like, once it stopped being cool in the mid-2000s, it kind of just, like, oh, can't really talk about it. Right. I don't really want to let people know that I'm a wrestling fan just because of their preconceived notions of what a wrestling fan is. Totally. And now I think, you know, if you were if you were to say to me, "Hey, I watched Days of Our Lives." I would go, "Great. I used to watch Passions. I used to watch General Hospital." We that was a thing like we would all talk about like with every band. Like I remember sitting with Lorenzo from Sworn Enemy, we were joking around about passions. Timmy on passions. That was like, there's no difference. Passions in wrestling. Yeah. And so it's okay for all these housewives to watch passions. It's sexist if you say it's, it's not okay for a, a man to watch a soap opera, whether mm -hmm. it's daytime or wrestling. Sure. It, it's just everybody likes a good story. If the storyline's good, if the narrative's cool, then what's wrong with that? We got, yeah. enough, we got bills to pay. We got kids to feed. We got records to put out why can't we just enjoy like i watch divas and my daughter was like oh don't let your fans let you know you let them, you know don't let your fans know that you watch divas i was like i'll tweet it right now <laughs> i was like i bet you half the people on my twitter are watching this right now you talk about total divas the yeah. reality show yeah. i think it's one of the best reality shows on television it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible it really like gave me a different outlook on the business and you know what in metal and rock, everybody's into the business. People are always talking about sound scans and numbers and Polestar and this. Same thing with wrestling. People want to know, was this show sold out? Who's getting put in? Who's getting paid yeah. what? You I know? think, honestly, like that's what I feel like people who aren't really into wrestling don't understand. Like The most interesting aspect of the show is what happens behind the scenes. Is like, like why did this person win? What happened to this person? Like Why did they say this to each other? What does that mean? And it's all like there's such a story undercurrent of, of a story that that is so much more interesting to follow sometimes more so than the main show itself i agree and i feel like they've put out their business like at the live shows you'll go and it'll be like 
Walmart's number one selling brand for teen girls, 18, <laughs> like everything on the screen, yeah. like the number one, this, the most sold out venues here, the most, you know, and, and you think, wow, I mean, it's really great. If we could emulate that with metal and hardcore music and have a touring show that gives all these people a job that networks pick up that bring in advertisers, we would be in such a better place, but it's like, we don't, it's like, we don't want to learn from these established brands. I don't know why, or we can't get it together to, to, to make that happen, yeah. but it, it would be cool to see. It's interesting that you say that. Cause I have thought about that too. How like there's such a correlation uh, between just it. Ultimately it's just a live event, you know, like and metal puts on live events. I think the difference though, is that WWE it's, you know, it's one entity and like all of these wrestlers who I would correlate to like a band all work under this one umbrella. Whereas with bands, they're all independent in a sense, looking out for, for their own good and there's no like higher authority. There's no like overarching company. Like maybe that would be the the job of a label, but not really to like tell them what to do. Essentially, be like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're doing this tour. You either fall in line or, or you're getting dropped or whatever. You know. Well, there's just no Vince McMahon. That's right. the thing. He micromanages everything, and he can be a dick when he has to be a dick. He can be cool when he needs to be cool. He can cut the right check and get the right people involved. He can hire the best production elements. Um, you know, I mean, you know, from working with a website and running a podcast, it's like, imagine if I was to come to you right now and say, here's a hundred grand, you could go and you could take that and you could get a lot of shit done, right? You sure, could yeah. now think about them and the millions that they have and, oh, and God, what they yeah. can do with the network. If I, if I, I mean, I don't know if we could do a, a, a metal network with a hundred grand, but do you know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if there was a, well, just, so just like that, like if there was a, a metal version of the WWE network, it would be impossible because you have to get all of these clearances, all the all the licensing for, from every label. It's like, gotta be done with unknown local and regional bands that want the opportunity that you can. Because think about this, the the kids out there that you know are a star. Like when you see a local band and you mm -hmm. go, that kid's a fucking star. Like there's a kid, uh, a guitar player up by me. Um, He's just, he's a great, he's a shredder. He's a, and he's a star. And you go, that kid's a star. But it doesn't matter if you don't have the right manager, if you don't have the right label, you have to have the perfect storm. You could be the best shredder. If you don't have the amount of YouTube subscribers you, you need, if you don't have the right song, if you don't have the right representation, you're fucked. But if you had a network that you could plug into where maybe you had a stake in it or you had a small piece of it or you, you know, could tie it to your other social media. If there was just some infrastructure, which yeah, there isn't. Then, it, then it could work. But this is something we talked, we've talked about this so much. Like we talked about different things. Like, like I thought, why isn't there a network with all the old magazines and all the old zines and everything like for an iPad app? Like there's so much stuff that can be done, but then you've got to have people that can follow through that, that are like a Vince McMahon that can be right. a dick. Because you got to be a dick. Yeah, and coming up with the idea is essentially the easiest part. It's like right. like putting everything into mode, like the nitty gritty, the small details. That's where you you get held up because that's a great idea. Like, why isn't there an archive of like every metal maniacs, like an iPad app? But like to get that cleared. Yeah, I want to go back and I want to read all those rips. Like they're in storage, they're buried. I have them. I have all the old metal maniacs rips, circus. I was trying to find. We have a we had a fold out poster for uh, Perseverance, where we're all drunk with our shirts off. If anybody has this, send me a screenshot of it. It was a poster in Circus. I'm like, where is that? I want that now. I want to reprint it for the, right. for the whatever, 20th anniversary or 
do that or whatever. And so I thought, man, that would imagine it. But think about all the curation that would have to be done, right? Like aggregating all the info, getting someone to type it if it's not, you know, saved in the right format. Same thing with music. It's like you got to get somebody to ingest all this stuff. I'm actually thinking about doing it with the podcast where if I change over to a subscription model, I'll tell bands, look, you get, you can give me the music, but it's got to be gratis until I get to a certain amount of subscribers. And then if you're giving me the music, if you're donating content um, and I get to a certain amount of subscribers, then, you know, whoever's got the most plays, we could do it how, you know, they administer any plays on any right. uh, web. I don't know what the rate is. I'm sure it's like point, 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 point. I don't know. <laughs> zero 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 whatever eleven. Oh, for play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if, yeah. if if you, uh, like, if you have Marin's app and you want to, you know, the the if you want to go to the paywall, you can listen to all his old episodes. I think it's like two fifty a month or four fifty a month. Yeah. But imagine if that also had music in it. So there's you know there's stuff that could be done. It could be really cool, but it would be even cooler if it was if it was like a UFC um, fight pass or WWE network, where then you know you're you're getting uploaded concerts and DVDs and things like, you know, from right. the past, because I mean, I went on and I was watching all those old ECW videos and I don't know if those are on WWE network, but I was watching all on YouTube, but on UFC fight pass, I watched pride. I was watching, I went back and watched all the early UFCs. I mean, it was amazing. I thought, how cool would that be if we had this in metal? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like if you could watch any, you know, Slayer, con- I mean, like in a sense, Metallica is doing it just with their own shit. Like, you can go back and watch any available Metallica yeah. bootleg on their site. So, but that's, again, what I'm saying. Like, Metallica is, in essence, WWE. Like, they look at themselves, like, there's no higher, there's no Vince McMahon, as you were yeah. saying. Then uh, they lose money on a lot of projects. Like, they lost money on the film. They lost money on the festival. And so, like, I really commend them to being able to take such a massive risk to try to do such a positive thing and then lose money on it. It's like, fuck, man. Because yeah. we, we were up for that Orion Fest. And I remember, I think we had already scheduled, like, a European festival, so we couldn't yeah. do it. Or something happened where we couldn't do it. And they were really paying well. I saw some other bands' guarantees, and I thought, fuck, man. If they're paying, what, this band? And I knew what they yeah. normally get. And I saw what they were getting paid for Orion. I was like, holy shit, this thing might be a massive loss. And then I, they ended up admitting that it was. Yeah. And I thought, man, what if they put that into something like an Ozfest or a Mayhem Fest or, or even, you know, doing like their own award show or their own app or their own network? I mean, yeah. One thing I want to say about Metallica, too, is people don't realize the trickle-down effect of their of their thing, like you were saying, like they were paying metal bands way higher than their guarantee. And as a member of the press, I can say I've never been treated better, uh, like that, like at a press area. Yeah. Like they fed us, they gave us drinks all the time, which never happens. Like we're usually fending for ourselves. We have to like run out and like find any yep. available things. So they were so nice. And even with the movie, like I know it lost a lot of money. Like again, just from a website point of view, they bought so many ads for that movie. Like. It was one of our biggest sales. I saw it on, on buses. Yeah. Year. And it's like they, people don't realize like, like how that trickles down into the community because it's like, well, they're going to market to metalheads. So like this is budgets for you know, metal stuff. And people don't realize that about Metallica when you're at that level, how your success affects the success of others. It's so true. I mean, they were a career changer for me. I, I feel like if they didn't play the Perseverance video when they hosted Headbangers Ball – 
I don't think any of the events that happened after would have happened. I really feel like, because that launched the record back into the Billboard hard chart. I think we stayed on the hard chart for like two years. And I feel like them playing that video got me the job as a host and really kind of legitimized the band because we had paid for that video ourselves, shot it in Jersey on our own dime and, and you know, in the snow and, and, you know, basically showed Universal, like, look, we're a legit band. You got to treat us like you would any other band. Like, we don't just get one video. You need a second video. You know, you gave all these other bands two, three videos. Why aren't we getting it? But they were making money on us. Whereas with the other bands, they were losing money. Right. And so, like, Metallica really had a hand in that. And you're right. The trickle down is massive. Imagine if they could use, like, the funds, like, that they did Orion Fest with to do a label or or even um, you know some sort of uh, some sort of thing where they have their own YouTube or they have their own uh, Spotify, right? You know where they're or their own like metal network, like metal right. WWE. and they're paying a better rate. Like when that title thing came out and all those pop artists and rap artists were up on there, I was like, who's representing rock and why should anybody in underground music or rock music or metal music why should anybody give a fuck about title? Yeah. It's, I feel like rock in general is pretty underrepresented in mainstream like music. wrestling of entertainment. Yeah. Like we're, like the, we're like the UFC. Yeah. Metal is like the UFC of sports. Yeah. Uh, well, you talk about perseverance. I, I truly feel that that song and really that record is like one of the most, one of the best pump-up albums in the gym. There's so many times where I'm like at the gym and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to leave. But then I put on that track or that album and I'm like boom another 20 minutes on the cardio machine just by hearing you you shout perseverance in my ear uh do you get like do do, uh wrestlers come up to you and tell you like hey I love listening to Hatebreed at the gym because I feel like it's perfect gym music yeah yeah no I I get a lot of great feedback from everybody all different walks of life everybody a lot of power lifters a lot of uh wrestlers a lot of MMA fighters and now I'm noticing, and I don't do much of Instagram, but when I do check it, I'll see uh, CrossFit. I'll see like these Spartan race people make shirts, you know, Team Perseverance. Or um, right. I saw like somebody had like Team Divinity of Purpose, and and they had Own Your World lyrics on their shirt. And then I'll see like people, um, like I talked to a lot of people when I ran the Wounded Warriors race. People said, "Oh, I got Apreed in my." Uh, headphones for the race and i was i did the 10k portion of it and man i was dying at the end of it and uh, should have put on some perseverance i put on uh lamb of god uh (laughs) walk with me in hell or walk with me yeah yeah that that was you know ladies are going by me you know pushing kids in a stroller and i'm like huffing and puffing i'm like i gotta i gotta beat her at least (laughs) (laughs) uh it's funny yeah like i feel like with also with like pump up music it has to be a certain bpm like you can't listen to like Destroyers too fast. You can't keep up with the pace of the drums with your running. Destroyer, wow! I we were at uh, Heavy Montreal, mm-hmm. and uh, Randy and uh, we did a book signing at the Hateware tent for Randy, and then I did my signing, and then we just kind of joined our signings. And some band was playing. I was like, "Man, this is fucking awesome!" I was like, "It sounds like Dying Fetus," or or I don't know. I was saying something to Randy, and he goes. You don't know who this is. I can't. My Randy, my Randy imitation is not that good, but he's like, "This is Pig Destroyer. They're from Richmond or whatever. I don't know where they're from. Are they uh, from, from Richmond? Okay, they're from near him. Yeah, yeah. They were fucking great. And then I talked to those dudes after the show, and uh, 
I was, I got to go listen to their, I, I think that they might be a good gym band. I think it might be all right. You just have to do different types of reps. Like they might be like an elliptical thing where like every other beat. Well, definitely not elliptical because I tried no, it and okay. I was like, I was like running too fast. Okay. I was like winding myself. Well, they but, were good. I was like. Yeah, no, I love Pink Destroyer. Yeah, I was, I was like, I don't know how I missed the boat on that. Yeah. Definitely get into it. They got like five or six. They're pretty short, you know. It's grind, so yeah, <laughs> not a long. Well, album. No, they were like throwing down like pit riffs. Like there was yeah. like some slamming oh, yeah. shit. Like it wasn't normally when I hear grind, it's like, look, like I I have Napalm Death, I have Infest. Like, do I need anything else? Like, has there yeah. been anybody who's really up the game? <laughs> and then Randy was like, dude, check it out. I'm telling you that. And it was like, wow. But there was slamming shit. Too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely good slam breakdowns in there too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, we we kind of touched on this earlier. How, what? How did you get out of wrestling? Like, what was like when you were like, I need a break? Um. You know, I want to say late '90s. Frank was when Frank was in Ringworm. We did a show together, and I think he was big on the NWO mm-hmm. stuff. Like, he was into all that. Like, yeah. I think he liked, like, the Hollywood Hogan gimmick and all that stuff. And that was around the time where I was like, really? Like, and he was trying to tell me about it. <clears throat> and I don't think, uh, I think, yeah, going into 2000, 2001, that was like when I just, it was totally off my radar. Right. Kind of, well, it also was kind of like the d- decline in popularity, almost like WCW went out of business. It was just WWE, ECW, and out of business. Yeah. Were you a big ECW fan? I, I liked ECW a lot. I wasn't a super fan like Frank was, but he would always talk about it and tell me about it. And and they went to shows and they like partied with like Rob Van Dam. <coughs> or wait, yeah, was Rob Van Dam in ECW? Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, you know they would do like the Agora. I think was hosting a lot of ECW events mm-hmm. in the late nineties, mid to yeah. late nineties. Um. It's funny also you mentioned the New Haven uh, Coliseum, was it? Yeah. Uh, because I'm not, I'm like 99% certain that like before Vince McMahon Sr. gave Vince McMahon Jr. WWF in like the early 80s, he assigned him, he sold him the New Haven Coliseum to promote events there, yeah. concerts and wrestling, to give him an idea of live event promotion as like a tryout before he, like, bumped him up to running the whole company. So, like, that was, like, his tra- testing grounds. Yes. Him and Linda McMahon would, would co-promote concerts and, like, the Ringling Brothers when it would come around. And I believe it was the Nighthawks yeah. played there. Yeah, they had Rage Against the Machine, Pantera. I mean, it yeah. was my dream. It was my goal to all, you know, to try to play there, and we never got the chance. They tore it down. Um, but there was, there was a lot of shows, so you could go, and uh, that was, like, still when it was, like, but I mean, there. I mean, I, it's it's all a blur. My that time also, like uh, I want to say, Bam Bam Bigelow was still wrestling. Yeah, yeah and yep. I mean, there's. I saw him. Who else did we see? There was. So you you've gone to live shows. Yeah. Like, like what are your, some of your favorite memories? I actually had a, a pretty good memory recently. I went to the Prudential Center and with Danny from Biohazard, and we took his sons, oh, nice. and uh, Jericho hooked us up, and we were, like, front row. And um, the uh, the great uh, – what's his name? The, the, it looks like he has a, a fake leg, but it's not. I was asking about it. Uh, I, I want to say 
Ali. Is it no? What's the guy? He's like he was like an Indian movie star. Great Kali. Kali. Um, he was there. Everybody was there. Cena was there. I mean, it was just it was awesome. And seeing the kids like arguing over who they like yeah. and rooting for you know, and, and then CM Punk came out. I mean, I guess it's not that recent now. It was, right, it's few years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, but it was just it was cool to see the kids' reactions. Yes, I agree. And then also having kids stop us and go, oh my God, hey, Brie, Biohazard. Like, and then there's kids there that were wearing, CM Punk has this whole, had this whole new audience. There was kids in the crowd wearing Bad Brains, Agnostic Front, Madball, Rancid, like there to see wrestling. And I thought that's really cool because that's kind of bridging the punk and hardcore aspect of it. Yeah, that's well. something why, why I always loved CM Punk is he did represent for the hardcore scene and he would always you know shout out hardcore bands like you know h2o he's big friends with dudes from rancid and stuff and, and stuff in his promos yeah he would be like he'll or he would say something in the ring like you know you want to see me fail you'll never get your chance or, he, or he'd yeah, be yeah. like you know facing what consumes you is the only way to be free i like and and so and people would always hit me up like dude are you seeing this like this is crazy <laughs> And so he just hit me up recently saying, you know, he's really looking forward to the album. And so I sent him some stuff and he's like, dude, this is great. So he's always been super cool and super supportive. He was another one when Divinity of Purpose came out. I really feel like it wouldn't have had the reach and it wouldn't have had the success if he and other guys um, who have that social media platform involved in MMA and wrestling, uh, putting it out there because there's a whole new generation of kids that, you know, they're not in the know. They're not in yeah. the circle, you know, um, so he, I feel like Divinity of Purpose got a really big boost. I don't, I don't think we would have had that first week if he didn't tweet about it. So you got out of it uh, uh, early 2000s. What, yeah, like what, 99, 2000. What drew you back in? Well, I, I just been on, I just been on the in and the out ever since I'd say probably around supremacy. Just because when we got off Roadrunner and and everything was kind of up in the air i thought i don't know how much synergy is there really going to be with metal and wrestling like it, it seemed like no matter what we did there was they weren't really interested and and so when someone i think in any other sort of aspect of entertainment kind of looks at metal or hardcore as like not marketable or enough or that you don't want to work together you just got to go and put your energy and your focus on the areas that you know the people are willing to work with you and so i think um, having always been an MMA fan and then, you know, I always liked access TV. Like they, they put honor never dies on all their, um, mm -hmm. you know, their, uh, MMA series. Like they, they'll show RFA, they'll show, uh, CES, you know, who has, they do, uh, fights in, in Providence. They'll show, uh, and I've sponsored a lot of those guys like MFC, uh, maximum fighting championship. These are all like smaller MMA companies. Yeah. And yeah. so they're showing the honor never dies video. They're letting Sokaju come out to Mike Josta song. They're letting, yeah. Um, you know, Brian Cobb come out to Hapri. They're letting even Bellator, like they let Emmanuel Newton come out to Honor Never Dies. They let him wear the hate wear shirt everywhere. And I mean, so it really, it's just like my focus just went more towards MMA because it really seemed like they were more willing to work with us. I mean, I've done some stuff with boxing too. Like, you know, some guys have come out, some boxers have come out to some Josta songs. And, but, you know, I guess. What do they say? They say uh, energy, uh, attention flows where energy goes. That's, I guess, you know, my energy was just trying to work with, network with people who were willing to work with us. Right. So who are your guys, like, right now? Who, who, who All right. Um, 
I would say I like Seth Rollins. Yes. Um, I like. I was liking Daniel Bryan, but now he's retired. Yeah, right? he's done. Yeah, so kind of a bummer because I felt like he was a really great wrestler and like a good entertainer too. The trajectory was there, right? Yeah. Like it was, and his thing on uh, Divas was like interesting as well because you got to see like him in his day to day life. Yeah, and I love how he he interacts with his sister-in-law uh yes nikki because yeah. like they would unless if if he wasn't married to nikki's uh sister i feel like they would have they would never hang out they wouldn't be friends so, but like they're kind of forced to hang out not that they hate each other but they just have such different life philosophies it's funny to, to see that clash because it seems pretty real yeah you know what's really cool about WWE is that they, for the most part, and I know some fans will disagree with me on this, but for the most part, they honor the legacy and they keep faces around or they'll have recurring faces that are, have been involved with the brand that keeps like the parents and the people who might be parents soon yeah. and other people involved and interested. And so although I kind of like scoffed when I saw the the card for WrestleMania, I thought, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like, I had a gig, and I, I you know, we had uh, Josta open for non-point in Hartford. The place is packed. I couldn't believe it, especially against WrestleMania, because I've done shows the night of WrestleMania where the crowd was small, specifically because people were like, no way, we can't go to the show. we got to right. watch WrestleMania. It's like it's almost like doing a show on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but then I said... I can't believe you guys are here not watching WrestleMania. I'm like, be honest, who's taping WrestleMania? And like, not a lot of hands went up. And uh, my bass player, Chris, joked on the mic, like, nobody tapes anymore, bro. Like, you're the only one with the VCR stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, and it, oh, all right, sorry, who's DVRing WrestleMania? And like, maybe like 20 hands went up. But looking at the card, I guess The Rock was going to be there, Undertaker, Triple H. Yeah. Like, those. I mean, I like I liked all those guys. I always thought they were interesting, but it's to me it was kind of like I'm like, well, who's the new guy? Like, who's the hot new guy? Like, that's that's coming up that everybody likes. And I guess it's um, uh, was it AJ? AJ Styles. Yeah, like yeah, he's really good. He's got a big buzz right now, right? Yeah. And so, um, it's kind of like how they treat the legacy artists in Europe, like on festivals, like when we went to play with Metallica, you know who Metallica put on direct support in Germany? Creator. I'm like, that's awesome. Because Creator yeah. is like the undertaker of, you know. <laughs> of Germany. Right. Like you want to see Creator. You're yeah, in Germany, yeah. you want to see Creator. Just like on WrestleMania, you want to see Undertaker. Yeah. Do you want to see him win again? I don't know, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know you said you, you didn't see it, so I don't necessarily want to spoil it okay. for you. But uh, Undertaker... As much, I have the utmost respect for him. I can't really say anything about it, but I kind of feel like he's at the end of his rope, and it's just his matches are consistently slower, and, like, you can see he's so winded, and it's like, dude, you don't have to do this. Like, right. take a step back. You don't need the money. You're good. You're good. You have the respect. You have everything. Just stop. Don't yeah. ruin your legacy. Yeah. So, but it's cool that they do that because yeah. it, it, you know, it just makes for the older fans, like, have something to talk about and check yeah. it out. And, but, you know... It'd be nice if the older fans, I guess, really took to like one of these younger guys. Yeah, I think they do. I think it's it's also just how they're presented by WWE. WWE kind of feel like one of their weaknesses is like presenting new talent as like a viable threat. 
it always seems like whatever new talent they have, they'll just end up losing to John Cena or whatever. And, and they have to like make them seem on the same level as John Cena to be accepted so that in 10 years and 15 years, they could be the ones make, they could be like the rock making his return at WrestleMania. Cause it's like right now that I think the, the focus is a little too much on like the legends yeah. because they're not thinking about how it's going to affect them down the line, five, 10 years when these legends are just going to be way too old to even believably kick anybody's ass. Thank you to Jamie Josta so much for taking some time to hang out with me on the Squared Circle Pit. We kind of got cut off at that point and it got a little abrupt, so I had to cut off the interview right there. But it was a great talk. We had a great time. Uh, after the mics kind of went off, uh, I talked to Jamie and I recommended he check out New Japan on Axis TV since he loves the MMA so much. And he mentions he, he's already checked it out. He loves Josh Barnett doing the color commentary and he's really interested in Shinsuke Nakamura who of course made his debut this past weekend at NXT TakeOver Dallas. If you're not watching NXT yet, now is the perfect time to start and definitely just start with NXT TakeOver. It was an amazing show and, and the match that uh, Nakamura had with Sami Zayn was one of the best matches I, I've ever seen in WWE and it was just absolutely fantastic. I'm so, so, so excited about Nakamura in WWE. Of course, this weekend was WrestleMania weekend. Ultimately, I had a fun time watching the show, but wow, did that show drag on way too long. It was like seven hours or something like that, all said and done with the pre-show. By the time we got to the main event, I was just so fatigued and it was just the wrong match to go on last because it was just like a regular match. There was no surprise ending. And I'm not even, like, uh, against Roman Reigns. Like, I, I feel like he should be written to be a much cooler character. But I like the wrestler. And I didn't mind him winning. I thought the Rock segment with the Wyatts was a little too self-indulgent for the Rock. Uh, I, but also, I mean, I, I'm a little biased because I love the Wyatts. And, and I, I want them to get, like, some cool storylines. And I feel like they're just being fed to legends to, to be jobbed out as with the Rock. Undertaker last year, it's just they need a strong win. But uh, uh, ultimately, though, I had a great time watching WrestleMania. One person who did not like WrestleMania was Mike Francesa. And if you didn't hear this week's episode of the Metal Injection Livecast, Francesa went off on this amazing, hilarious rant about how he can't believe that his kids actually like wrestling. And I want to play this clip from this week's live cast, if you didn't catch it, because we were just pissing ourselves laughing, listening to this guy complain about pro wrestling. I'll be back in two weeks with another new edition of the Squared Circle Pit. Thanks, as always, for listening. I appreciate any and all feedback you send my way. Here we are talking about Mike Francesa. Well, one person, though, who does not like professional wrestling. Who's that? Is the great Mike Francesa? Oh yeah, New York radio legend. That was great. Let's uh, say goodbye to Leroy. Uh, all right, Leroy, we're gonna let you go. Bye, first. Leroy. Uh, but uh, I want to play this clip where he talks about how his sons asked him to order WrestleMania, and it was like a sin, like oh. the worst thing that could happen. Wondering, I pondered this long into the night. Where have oh, I gone wrong? I pondered where this. Where have I gone uh, wrong? <laughs> Thought I was Jay a Thomas decent tell this guy he sounds like an <laughs> idiot. Is it, he your you uncle? Know, <laughs> I, you know, I tried to be a very attentive father. It was very important to me. It was very you know, important. To, He's like give it up sports. now. They're both pretty good players, and they love sports. Why in the world yesterday 
that they come to me. Such good English. Pause the- at six o'clock. <laughs> Why in the world that- yesterday, yesterday did that they came to me? <laughs> Is that a sentence? Broadcaster. Sounds Holy like fuck. everybody's sitting around my dinner table on <laughs> Christmas. Jay Thomas needs to yell at him yeah. like he's a fucking idiot. But do you, you do see why Jay did it? What? I'm just getting ready to, you know. I wouldn't have office. a problem if he talked like work. that, if he said sensible things, though. Yeah. yeah. Basically, what's happening? What happened to Nick Jonas when he fucked up the guitar solo is happening to Mike Francis. Yeah, but that was two seconds. This is like four hours a day. He talks like this. He's Maybe he's having seizures. This yutz. What? And I said, we can't go outside. It's you know the weather's not that great outside. He goes, no, no, no. no, no, no. Can you just do us a favor? What? Say it. Anyway, we say yes. I said, I'm not saying yes till I know what the question is. I used to say that to my parents all the time. Can we watch WrestleMania? I said, what? Mania. Can we watch? I said, no, you know, it's, I said, it's on late into the night. Well, it starts soon, Dad. It's it's on USA for an hour. Then you have to buy the pay-per-view. Can you buy us the pay, pay-per-view? What so asshole I figured, kids? all right, I got an out here. I said. They couldn't tell him, like, or just order the network, nine ninety nine. The pay-per-view is like $70. <laughs> How old are these kids? I don't think they're. Go ask yet. your mother, and if she says yes, Go ask your mother. I'm figuring no way will she ever no say yes. way. <laughs> Can we say it? Let her be the bad guy. So their mother said yes. They come okay. back, and Harrison's now doing flips like that He's got uh, a kid guy named like Harrison. Callisto. Uh-huh. So he's dead. And did Harrison's you, really the instigator here. He just said Jack. he Jack is like following like Harrison. Flips like oh, that uh, guy likes Callisto. <gasps> Callisto. I flip for Callisto. Yeah. So he's dead. And Harrison's really the instigator here more than Jack. Jack is like following Harrison here. Jack, the Why older one, but he's not like into it the way Harrison. Harrison old men. It sounds like dog names. Harrison and Jack. As they announced it, because I actually saw the open to make sure. That they, so I had to go. Now I go to DirecTV and I can't buy it. And I'm like, wait a second. It's a pay-per-view. What do you mean I can't buy it? So then I have to call Monzo up, who's having a WrestleMania party at his house. I would like to point out that Mike Francesa (laughs) is... Mike Francesa is so lost, he literally has to call a friend Uh (laughs) to figure out how to order Uh, a fucking paper. Reed, you sound like to phone a friend. (laughs) He had to to Manzo explain this to him. <laughs> Red carpet, the whole thing at his home. Okay, charging people to get in. But I listen. You know, you do what you have to do. You do what you but, gotta do. That is so condescending that he said that about his producer. Like, oh, he's poor. He has to charge people to watch uh, the baby. You do what you have to do. All the uh, money goes to me. So you know, he makes minimum wage. Fuck that guy. Like, uh, you're totally yeah. right. I didn't notice yeah. that the first. That is so condescending. Such a dick move. I say. I text Mons, Mons, where can I buy this thing? Mons. So he finally tells me, you can go, do you have cable? I said, yeah, I have DirecTV and I have cable. So I said, oh. go to this channel. Oh. Right. Not like Mons was fucking, yeah. So it's like, a, why does he need Mons? He's Mons. watching it from a paper cup with strings. Uh. If he has DirecTV and cable, why couldn't he think... Oh, let me check if it's on cable. Like, oh, I didn't think of that. Because <laughs> when you become his producer, it's uh, his whole life. It's, it's, a life it's not just on the yeah. show. Listen, hey, listen hey, kids, kids, I'm going to go see if it's on cable. Back after this. Oh. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And you can buy it. So I go to the channel. 
I love the breaths at every sentence. I don't know if it was fifty nine ninety nine or sixty nine ninety nine, something like that. I don't know. It was something like that. It was you know, it's, it was it was good. Bu- <laughs> it was I don't know. It was, it was five hours of entertainment. Sixty nine ninety nine. Go back and like. <laughs> I make that in one commercial for Cialis. <laughs> He's so flustered here about the price. That. I don't know. It was something like that. It was, you know, it's, it was it was a good buck for the event. This is a schizophrenic on the bus. And it was going to start at 7 o'clock. He's talking to himself. This so. is audio from a bus. Yeah. This isn't even on the radio. <laughs> Sir, it's the last stop. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's a good price for the buck. My kid. Harrison. Sir. Sir, you got to get off. He doesn't even have a destination. We're going back to the storage yard. Uh, I had to call Mons and then, you know, Mons said, help me and help me. Again, help me how to do this. I don't know. So I said, listen, at 630, I'll go up. and I, Sir. I got to take area. the bus back to the depot. They don't have any TV in the rooms, but they have a TV area where they can watch TV. We need TV these when, seats for you know, a wheelchair uh, person, sir. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it was my, my kid, I asked my wife, you know, she was like, uh, she said, yes, so what do I know? Uh, I, I, uh, I just peed myself. God damn it. I, I get Mons to change my pants here. Oh my God. Mons, Mons, you got to help me. I soiled myself, Mons. Room, so um, I said I'll put it on your TV upstairs in your area. So in your area, put it in your area. They sleep in a closet. Yeah. These kids. <laughs> like a veal. It keeps them locked up in a box. Six thirty. I go but to buy. Honey, are they ten yet? Uh, no, back in the box. <laughs> I told my kids, you win afternoon drive ten years in a row, then you get a bedroom. <laughs> Until then, you're in the closet. I you slept, and Michael K. I slept on a rock listening to radio, listening to Mickey Mantle at home runs. Yeah. You don't understand. Oh my God. Kids, kids today, get back in the box. <laughs> Suck it up. And I buy it. And who comes up? This Scott Stan- Sanford. Scott, uh, the guy who's a local. Well, guy, Scott Stanford, is that his name there? The guy who's the local. Uh, it's Scott Stanford. He's like the host to the preview. He hosts Again, the being condescending. Can you believe this guy's lowering himself to be the yeah. preview host? I thought it was like, you believe WrestleMania has this fucking guy, if I got WPAX guy on there? What the fuck is it? It must be a shitty show here. Yeah. $60 I'm paying for this. For Scott Stanford I'm paying? What is, who's hosting the National Anthem? Kairi Tong? What is, what is this? Are you kidding me? Suki, is she going to be on there? Greg Maka? Greg Maka in there doing a broadcast. <laughs> They're gonna cut the Mr. G. <laughs> Mr. G. Ernie Ernesto. <laughs> oh. Safe champion over there. Oh, huh? Sue Simmons, come on, yeah, you international now. <laughs> oh wow. That's, uh... <laughs> Who's doing audio for Kane? Is he gonna be on this? Kane Roberts. <laughs> Jose Mangan, Pepe Godlaw, any of these guys? <laughs> you kidding me? WrestleMania. Fuck out of here. And they give like a hand. So I said, listen, you can watch this. I'll come back at seven and make sure the pay-per-view starts. Because sometimes pay-per-views are a little weird. They don't start or anything. Yeah, because you know how to order it. I was on the wrong channel. I was on Logo. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was like I told Cole Mons. I said, what's Logo? I'm more picturing him like the TV's off and he's trying to. He's like, this pay-per-view won't start. It's not. It's not. Scott Stanford was just in my living room. Production value is horrible. (laughs) Put on TV, you know. (laughs) 
Just got staff is sitting there. You know what I'm saying? I come back at seven o'clock, and there it comes, and I'm like. I'm watching the national anthem. You would have thought this was the Super Bowl. I watched this. These five women come out in these big, long, flowing dresses to do the national <laughs> anthem. Dresses. You're in You're Jerry's in. building down there. It's completely full with announcers from every country in the world in tuxedos. I feel like I'm watching either a heavyweight championship of the world or I'm watching a Super Bowl here. <laughs> Meanwhile, heavyweight championship lo- of the world hasn't been on this scale for at least no. 15 years. He's stuck at in least. 1961. Yeah. That's the problem. Oh, in every language? I'm saying, this, what is going on here? Every language? It's been pretty much at this level started. for, what, 30 years? Yeah, and well, he's yeah. just discovering <laughs> yeah. that WrestleMania is Well, he just learned people. how to work his cable yeah, box. Yeah, that's right. WrestleMania 3 is probably the first time yeah. that it was like this. The right? Pontiac Silverdome? And that's the record they broke, by the way. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. uh, from 3 to 32. Yeah. Wow. And then I see it all started, 23, and I'm like, so I know nothing of the themes. Okay, I, obviously I know Vince McMahon. I mean, I, I know, I mean I've Brett. known him a long time. It's not when I don't hang out together, but well, I don't hang out together. <laughs> it's not like I doesn't mean Mons or anything. I don't call Vince. <laughs> I, I would have texted him asking about all of my pay-per-view. I should have done that. Now that I think about it, I should have <laughs> oh called Vince. God. You know what I'm saying? Call him a favor. You give me a favor of your $70, I'm of money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, I mean, he's been in the studio a couple of times. We've been at different charity things. Oh. Wait a time, minute. So Vince McMahon was on WFAN. I, oh, we got to look. Maybe he just did that. like a tour. He probably didn't do an interview. Just like walked through. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> Maybe he's thinking of Jim McMahon, the former Bears quarterback. <laughs> Is that possible? <laughs> hey, yeah, Vince, like, he came in. He had his headband on. You the know? quarterback, <laughs> man. He's doing well. He owns WWE now. Oh, no. So many guy. languages. So many languages. <laughs> Tuxedos. I didn't, even know his, I didn't know his son was involved, to be honest with you. I didn't know anything about that. Harrison told me the whole story. And then <laughs> they come out this long runway. Can you imagine this little, like, like half-litted, fucking half-literate kid explaining this to Nine-year-old. <laughs> a nine-year-old Mike Francesa. Dad, oh. you know, you got fucking guys with the tuxedo, you know? Shane <laughs> <laughs> McMahon, he was angry at his father, and you're going to take over the WWE. He wins the match. you got to beat Honestly, the Honestly, not that different from having a conversation with Chris Russo. <laughs> you know, Mikey, Mikey, Shane McMahon, he's a grown man, and he's fighting the other thing. I'm like, it's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> You can't be doing this. It's a joke. Oh, I love him so much. I like him better than Mike Francesa. I say that. The the first match was some ladder thing where there was seven some guys ladder on the ladder, including Harrison's favorite guy, Callisto. Is it Callisto? Is that, that was his partner, oh. Sin Cara. Sin Cara. Oh, the other guy Sin Cara. Listen, the you know, you hear this guy talk, you're lucky but, he's in the ballpark. Was that Monzo that jumped in right there? It was Monzo. <laughs> I just... I just <laughs> I just love this. Sin Cara. Sin Cara. So Cara. Cara. No Cara. I hope Cara. people don't do this to our show. Uh, announced the, <laughs> really the first match was some ladder thing with ah. seven guys on a ladder, including Harrison's favorite guy, Callisto. Is it Callisto? Is oh, that no, his partner, Sin Cara. Uh, Sin Cara. The other guy with the mask. So Sin Cara. So he's, so Sin Cara. As each guy gets ready to run out, Harrison knows who he is. My nine-year-old. <laughs> Go figure. Oh, my kid knows things. Holy it's crazy. Shit. Wow. He remembered something. He follows the I've been spot. keeping him it's, in a cage this whole time. I don't like, know how no. he learned it. <laughs> you believe it? I, bring, I, I bring this guy to me fucking Derek Jeter. He wants to talk about Galizno. I understand. He does nothing but shit in the bucket all day long. Uh, I, I don't know where he gets it from. I don't know. There was TV in that veal locker. Who put that TV in there? How did he get that TV out of there? And he's got cable. He's got the direct TV. He's watching the pay-per-views. How do I how did this happen? How does he know it is? 
blah, blah, blah. It's blah, blah, blah. It's the, you know. And who knew there was a wrestler named blah, blah, blah? (laughs) What a weird name, you know what I mean? I think my son might be with this dick, actually. (laughs) He was saying blah, blah, blah the whole show. I couldn't have named one of these people. In a hundred years. After I knew the names, I, I started to watch the ladder thing, which I lasted about two minutes till I started hitting each other with match. the ladders, and it's I ladder left. Match. And this guy looked like. Like, uh, remember the guy like on Batman when you were a kid or when we were kids and there was but a who? guy who what we he's like, we the 90 year olds in his audience but like uh, his, his producers are like our age yeah he's talking they to the geezers in his audience Batusi who uh, wore a Riddler outfit <laughs> Frank Gorshin wore that Riddler yeah, yeah Riddler it's outfit. highly referenced Frank like Gorshin there's like a black outfit Stardust Stardust, Stardust. <laughs> yeah he's got, he looks like the Riddler in Batman he looks like, like the Riddler wrote on Facebook I said this is the first time that the Co- uh, Cody Rhodes has been compared to Frank Gorshin <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so I've heard Pat. This is the first time anyone's been compared to Frank Gorshin in forty years. <laughs> Frank Gorshin, there's a timely reference right there. Uh, he's in mean? there, and there's one. a bunch of you know different kind of characters in there, characters. and they obviously had to go to bed. So he went to school this morning. Not knowing, they watched it till like a quarter to nine. Then they had to go to bed. So they but saw nothing. He, they taped it. Poor they kid. Saw, and he's like, they saw 45 minutes of the show, basically. Yeah. Or no, no, an hour, 45 And then they had to go and avoid spoilers from their shitty friends at yeah, their private school. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I have to go to school and make sure none of my friends tell me what happened. Aww. So that I can come home after I do my homework and watch they the had big to throw events. That in there, too. So I, do my homework. I, I have no idea who won the big events, nor do I care. But oh, thank you for clarifying. I'm just... So completely crestfallen that my crestfallen. kids last night were upstairs screaming their heads off. So he doesn't while care about were... something that his kids enjoyed. What an asshole! Not only he that, he's, to enjoy, uh, he's harness he's racing. Talking yeah, he's dumbfounded yeah. at how much his kids enjoy professional wrestling. And I want to point out, asshole. there's a if uh, the last time uh, this was on Deadspin, uh, Mike Francesa talked about wrestling. He said, I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, I watched it when I was, well, you know, back when it was like Antonio Rocca, yeah, yeah, Antonio which is Rocca. like 1908. You know, like the oldest fucking... Not- chase to watch it. He was really good. Lutez back when it meant something, you know? <laughs> like when it was real. Yeah. Sorry, no, it's guys- not real. <laughs> It's choreographed. <laughs> it's, it's real to me. 